we become the total sum of the five people we spend the most time around. So if you hang around five broke people, you're going to be broke. If you're hanging around with five overweight people, you're going to be number six. If you hang around with five people that are miserable, you're going to be number six. If you hang around with five people that are positive, they have drive, passion, motivation, excitement, a joy for life, you're going to be number six. And I chose to be number six everywhere I go. The first and best victory is to conquer self. Welcome to the Conqueror Approach, a journey of self-mastery. To cultivate our mind, body, spirit, financial literacy, and allow our light to shine upon the world. Brought to you by me, your host, U.S. Navy submarine veteran and entrepreneur, Musa Mikkel. Let's conquer. Welcome back to the Conqueror Approach. I appreciate you for tuning in. Today, I have a special guest, Peter O. Estevez. He was born in Mexico City, Mexico, and has migrated to the United States at the age of 10. Peter is an entrepreneur and partner in several companies in the energy, gas, and oil sector in Mexico. Peter is a philanthropist uh, and is an advocate for recovery and mental health, as well as a writer and author. He is the host of the top-rated podcast, Coming Clean Podcast. Thank you, Mr. Estevez, for joining me today. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. And please call me Peter. Okay, I got you, Peter. No worries. My brother's name is Peter, too, so uh, I got that in common. But man, man, you are a true inspiration for me. And uh, the, the podcast, the philanthropy, the, the entrepreneur, and the journey you've taken uh, to get there, I know is extremely fascinating. I kind of want to go in that a little bit. You know, tell us a little bit about your journey growing up in Mexico uh, and then becoming a major successful entrepreneur uh, here in the United States and Mexico. Uh, because for me, it, it doesn't strike me like any of that stuff was just given to you. So <laughs> if you want to go into that a little bit, Absolutely uh, tell us about your journey. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy today to just emphasize on um, where we are today, right? And I don't think that we ever talk about the journey. We very seldom talk about the tribulations, the setbacks, uh, the bottoms, the sacrifices, the whole journey that really gets us to a point uh, of success, right? And I often say that I was a success overnight, but it took me 40 years, right? So it, it, it took a lot of sweat and work and, and sacrifice and many, 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 many mistakes. My life is a, is a huge pile of uh, small wins uh, and, and, and a small pile of, of uh, an accumulation of a lot of hard work and a lot of effort. But you know, my journey started, as you said, when I was 10 years old um, in, in the United States, my family migrated in the quest of searching the American dream. Uh, I'm one of 13. So my mom, my dad, and my 12 siblings migrated to San Antonio, Texas. I was 10 years old and we moved into a two bedroom, one bath home, less than 900 square feet. Uh, and the interesting part about that is that the, said was, there was only two bedrooms, a bedroom for my mom and my dad, a bedroom for the girls, because it was six boys and six girls, okay, plus me, six boys and seven girls, uh, seven boys and six girls, and the boys all slept in the living room in sleeping bags, and that was the setup, that's what we had, that's how we started, you know, but I realized very, very early on that my circumstances were just my circumstances, where I came from is not who I was, it's just where I came from. You know, I learned a lot from my mom and dad from their many, many sacrifices. 
I though it took me a long time to be able to appreciate that because early on I resented it. I resented it being one of 13 instead of being the only child that they could have provided a great quality of life. Why did they have to bring 12 other siblings into the world when they could just have me and I didn't have to suffer and sacrifice as much as I did because I had 12 other siblings. You know, that was my small mindset mentality. But the reality is that seeing my parents' journey, their troubles, their trials and tribulations taught me very early on that my father, since he was lacking resources, he became very resourceful. You know, he made a, he made a, a quarter out of a penny and he made a, a dollar out of, out of a quarter. I also learned very early on that, uh, that my father was very entrepreneurial by, defa by default before I even knew what entrepreneurship was. You know, so he hustled, he hustled in different jobs, he hustled in different side hustles. And as a young boy, I was watching, I was watching my father and I was also seeking outside my immediate environment to see where I could go because I knew that where I was, I knew that my parents were living, I didn't know what to call it, but they were living in a state of survival. And I knew that it took a lot of work and a lot of energy and I didn't want to be there forever. I knew that growing up, I wanted to do something different and be something different. What I learned from my mother, my mother was an incredible spiritual woman. I didn't realize this. I saw her on her rocking chair every night praying for hours on end. And I was often young and cynical. And I would say, what the fuck is she praying for? We're still in the same spot. We were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. We were broken, broken. Many a times I was so ungrateful that I felt that I was so poor that I couldn't afford a dream. The reality is that my parents was molding me to become the man that I am today. That's so extraordinary. And that when at what point did you really start dreaming of really that that type of entrepreneurship where you can have and live the lifestyle that you live now? You know, I I, I think it all started. Uh, it, it, it was a progression process for each and every single one of us every you know every face of our lives requires a different us and 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 i didn't know that inside part of me i didn't realize that i was a multi-sensory individual that i don't operate from five senses i didn't realize that intuition was another sense i didn't realize that gut feeling was another sense i didn't realize that my drive my desire was another sense i didn't realize until today that i'm able to have incredible conversations in my podcast through my podcast with incredible uh, thought leaders from across the world that now i know what all of that means and i have been experiences that throughout my life so we become attracted to what we want what we'd like right and and and, and by through the through the process of attraction, I, I I gotten here right. But but very early on, I knew that you know when you're one of thirteen and your parents, you have to wear your brother's hand me down, a goodwill clothes or Salvation Army clothes. You know you know that you need to do something in order to change. You know I was always also you know I grew up it, it, although we were very very poor and we grew up in a poor neighborhood. You know, there was also neighbors that lived a better lifestyle than we did. There were families of three, 2.5, the typical uh, white picket fence American family, 2.5 children, a dog, and a, a nice car. We had 13 children, a beat up car, okay, and no dog. So, you know, my, my, my life was the opposite of everybody else's. And I always looking out, I wasn't looking within, I was looking out. 
Okay, and I think that's also important for every pro, uh, for every every process of, of growing evolution and change and transformation. First, I needed to get out of my state of, of, of poverty. First, I needed to get out of my state of survival. So I was comparing my family to every other family. And I wanted to have what my neighbors had. I wanted to have what the other kids in school had. I wanted to see what I saw in the magazines back then or on television. So those became my, my, my mentors. Those became my goal settings. That was, that was my aim. That was my goal. And it, it progressively began to change. But my major, my major, major change in transformation, you know, very early on, I was, I was an early entrepreneur before I knew what that was. The reality is I was in survival mode, helping my parents contribute to the household so they can support all of us. Okay. But that translated to me mowing lawns, having a paper route, painting houses and doing whatever side hustle I had in order to be able to help my parents. And as a teenager, desire to dress better, to wear the fair pair of jeans, to wear the first sneakers, to wear a nice t-shirt because my, my friends at some point, they want to hang out with me if I didn't dress a little nicer. So that desire started me to, to desire a little bit more. But really my pivotal point was in high school, I started a restaurant with one of my my, my childhood friends. And we did quite well. You know, we we're young and dumb and, 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 and stupid. And we made a lot of mistakes. But, but I discovered there was money to be made in business. That really true, true freedom and independence comes from entrepreneurship. And that was my first get to serious business. And then I enter another, another restaurant business. And then I got a while here and I decided I wanted to move out to Mexico, wanted to live on the beach. And that didn't work out too well. So I came back to America. When I came back to America, I was going to take a job as a regional manager for a chain of restaurants, because that's really the only thing that I had in my resume. That was really my only experience. Okay. Um, I had a few, a, a, a few years of college, I had had a couple of office jobs, but nothing meaningful. My true spirits had been in the restaurant business. Um, so I went and applied for a restaurant. At the time, it was a chain of restaurants called uh, Pancho's Grill, who was a buffet, but table-style buffet. They bring you as much food as you want by raising a flag to the table. And it was kind of a kind of a staple in my community, in my state, in, in the state of Texas where I grew up. And uh, so I went and applied. And when I, 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 I applied in the morning, and by noontime, I was hired. But there was something that happened to me during that, that, that uh, hiring interview. Uh, the manager, uh, the, the original manager that had come into town to interview me, he and I got along real well. And then he asked me if I wanted to take a tour of the kitchen. And I said, of course, of course I do. So he went on and took me through a tour of the kitchen. And this is lunchtime, San Antonio, Texas predominantly Hispanic community, 90% Hispanic, you know, uh, probably 6% Caucasian and the other, the other 4% is others, right? So it, it was a large Hispanic community. And at lunchtime, this kitchen would just was hustling and bustling. You know, it was just at, the, at, at its highest peak. And I'm watching and every person in that kitchen was talking Spanish and looked like me. And I could feel my shoes sticking to the greasy floor and I could hear the squeaking of my shoes sticking to the greasy floor. And I remember it was like almost a flashback that I realized in that particular moment without even realizing it, that if I took that job, I was going to become no different than those people in the kitchen. 
I'm not saying that in a meaningful way. I'm just saying that I was not growing and I was not involving. And I could see myself not that as progress, but basically staying in the same neighborhood, in the same community, in the same circumstances, in the same cycle of dysfunction that I was running away from. I walked out of the restaurant kitchen and I say my polite uh, goodbyes to the, to, to, to the original manager and I smell like a Mexican kitchen, okay? I smell like grease, I smell like tacos, I smell, I smell like everything. And I realized a thought went on right there and I said, I'm not taking on this job. It was a great career, it was a great opportunity, but it was not a lot of lateral movement. It was not getting out of what I wanted to do. I went back home and I picked up the newspaper. At the time there were still newspapers and you, instead of Googling jobs and, 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 and going to different sites, I went to the one ads and there was an opportunity to get involved into the real estate business. And it was like, you know, make six figures and uh, uh, have a nice office career. And I, I went, I visited with the broker that had the advertisement. Um, I didn't have a real estate license, obviously. He agreed to sponsor me as a broker and to sponsor my real estate career because he was, he, he, he liked what I, you know, what I, what I had just shared with them. And I started my real estate career and the rest from their history by the age of 24, um, my broker and I became partners. We took the office from 12 agents to 150 agents. We took the office from average sales of 20, you know, 15 to 20 millions a year to over uh, 75 to $100 million a year. We took the sales from selling 12 houses a month to, to selling and, and anywhere between 30 and 40 houses a month, almost a house a day. And the rest is history. Man, I, I want to ask you, Peter, because with your circumstances, is common for people who are in the same circumstances or similar circumstances to get stuck there. You know, they develop the belief systems that they're not worthy, they're not capable, they're not, you know, they, they don't have what it what it takes to become wealthy and successful. And I want to ask you because you're a testimonial of that, because you took that and, and you created something great with it. What what was the biggest belief or what was the main difference between be, growing up poor and staying poor and growing up poor and, and being able to turn that into strength to become wealthy? That's a great question, but I want you to know that. I want you to know that, that even though I was achieving financial success, I still believe that I was not worthy. I still had a heavy case of the imposter syndrome. I still have a low emotional intelligence level. I still had a lot of sabotage that I was doing to myself. What I was running away from, I was running away from poverty and from a cycle of survival. And I was running into financial success, but I still carry that mentality of survival and that brokenness. I still took it with me into my financial success. Thereby, I was using two different, I was conscious, subconscious, right? I was not operating from a single state of consciousness. I would build it up and I would sabotage. I would take that broken Mexican little boy in a survival state into the boardroom into the real estate company, into the marriage, into the partnership, mm -hmm. into the friendships, 
Okay, so as quickly as I was building success, I was also sabotaging it because I did not have the emotional intelligence. I did not have the whereabouts with personal development. I didn't understand the vocabulary that I'm able to utilize today because I didn't possess it. It was something that I developed, you know. So, yes, I was achieving incredible, tremendous success because I didn't want to be poor. I didn't want to live like my parents. I didn't want to have 13 children. I didn't want to sleep on a sleeping bag. I didn't want to wear Goodwill clothes, okay? So I chased the money. I chased the power. But at the same time, I sabotage it with alcohol, with, with, with women, with a new car, with, with, with arrogance, with ego, with everything else. That, that so, so, so it was two parallels working at the same time. One will build it up, the other one will destroy it. One will build it up, the other one will destroy it. It took me a long period of time to be able to understand that, okay? What we typically call in addiction or recovery, a bottom. I had to have a lot of different bottoms. I had to follow my ass. I had to fail, okay? The only advantage to failing is that I always have my head up. Okay, I was able to get up right away and try again. And that I attribute to my parents, you know, although my father lived in a state of, 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 of uh, survival and poverty, he still never gave up. He didn't give up on his wife. He didn't give up on his children. He didn't give up on his family. So inherently, he was passing on some traits to me. I didn't understand this at the time, but by default, I had inherited his worth ethic. I had inherited his, his, his commitment, whatever you may want to call it, for whatever reason he did it. But, but what I needed to do later on in life is how do I turn that into a positive thing, okay? How do I take what I learned from my parents, what I learned from my father, the work ethic, the entrepreneurial spirit, the resourcefulness, okay, into a business city? How do I take from my mother her spirituality? How do I take from my mother her commitment to be a good mother to her children, to be clean and to be disciplined? And as I was able to understand all of that, but that had happened through a lot of trial and tribulations. It didn't happen overnight. I had to fail many a times. I had to be broken, broken in order to understand that I needed a level of, uh, of uh, intelligence, maturity that I did not have, that I needed to detach myself to where I came from in order to be able to afford to stay where I'm at. See, if I brought that Mexican little boy into the boardroom every time that something didn't work my way, that little boy would sabotage that boardroom, would sabotage the business deal, would sabotage the marriage, would sabotage the friendships. But when I bring the mature, intelligent, Okay, emotionally intelligent gentleman into the room that understands human that can put his ego aside that no longer happens. But it's taken me a long time to be able to understand how to do that. That's such a crucial point, man, that, that a lot of people don't even acknowledge because it is mostly subconscious. When you're growing up as a child, you're downloading these subconscious thought systems, these belief systems and programs. And I mean, no matter, consciously, you can be extremely intelligent and create money and do all these great things. But subconscious what, what's happening right and you said it, it is sabotaging that belief of that broke boy right if, if subconsciously you you believe you're poor no matter how much money you make you're going to bring it down to that baseline so that's such a powerful thing but for someone who who is still growing in, in, in awareness of the subconscious right or how, how does that affect their results right now how do you how do you advise someone to start making shifts in that so they're not sabotaging themselves 
in their businesses or their relationships? Yeah, you know, that's an incredible question. And, and, and the reality is that today there is more tools available than there was when I was growing up, okay? Uh, you know, personal development, emotional intelligence, uh, learning, grow, evolving, uh, all those things that used to be only accessible to the 1% has been democratized, demonetized, and digitized. So we are, have access to more information in a week than our parents and grandparents had in their entire lifetime, okay? So we have more access to information. We have access to an incredible podcast like yours that people can download and listen to it and learn from incredible thought leaders from across the world that are going to share their experiences free of charge. We have YouTube, we have um, eBooks, we have Kindle, we have uh, social media where you can follow and curate uh, the, 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 the mentors and have a cyber mentor, have a cyber coach, have the access to the information that I didn't have available to when I was growing up. This information really has really become readily available within the last 10 years, okay? I really started my journey to personal development in 2008. Okay, when yet again, I had sabotaged my success, my marriage, my relationships, and I was broken and broken. And I literally went into the internet and I Google, how do I become a better person? And the first thing that popped up was the, the, the link to uh, Vision Likiani, Christina Likiani, Mind Valley. Okay, and I immediately went into their link and I started listening to some of the speakers on their, on their platform, some of the resident speakers, Michael Beckwith, Lisa Nichols, um, you know, Jim Quick and many others. And immediately I realized because I was prepared, I had, I had gone through so much pain, okay, that I was prepared to be able to make a change. I was willing to do anything and everything in order to keep what I was building including relationships and friendships, okay? To be able to have access on a permanent basis to the things that I always desire, okay? I was willing to let go of that young little boy. I was willing to embrace that little boy, hug him, kiss him and say, it's time for you to go, okay? I can't take you anywhere with me anymore, okay? You are a mature young man. And when I was able to do that, I understood the difference in having the importance of collaborations, the importance of partnerships, the importance of relationships, the importance of being able to access and tend to on a daily basis to what I call the five pillars, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual and the financial. And every single one of us has to deal with us on a daily basis. When we tend to those on a daily basis, we are able to operate from a single state of consciousness. We're not operating from a conscious subconscious, we become clear and in the present. We are not time traveling. We're not worrying about the past or the future. We are here and in the now. We have clarity. We're able to see our vision and our dreams. We are able to execute. We operate from a state of flow. We don't flee and fly. We flow. Okay. And I have learned to do that. I have learned to do that through, through, through a lot of practice, but the practice started as I developed and tended to my five pillars. Listen to your physical, take care of your body, okay? Listen to your mental, take care of your brain, your, your mind, okay? Listen to your emotional, okay? Listen to your spiritual and listen and tend to your financial. And how do we do that? We create a life that begins, picture the life that you want. Picture the life that you want. Visualize the life that you want. 
and then follow in social media people that have that kind of life. Listen to the music that resonates with that kind of lifestyle. Listen to the podcast that resonate with that lifestyle. Read the books that resonate with that lifestyle. Exercise and, and, and emulate the body of the person that you want to look like, okay? So everything that I didn't have available growing up, all I, all I was looking at growing up through my two-bedroom, one-bath, 900-square-foot uh, home with with uh, 12 siblings in there and my mom and dad picking out the window was my neighbor's car, which I cut less supreme. And I thought that was state of the art. Okay. We have access to Bentley's and, and Porsches and everything else. And it's not about the material things. Okay. But, but, but I'm giving you a picture for you to visualize that if you don't have what you, what you have, okay. Emulate the people that have it. If that's what you want, we become the total sum of the five people we spend the most time around. Okay, so if you hang around five broke people, you're going to be broke. If you hang around, you're going to be number six. If you if you hang around with five overweight people, you're going to be number six. If you hang around with five people that are miserable, you're going to be number six. If you hang around with five people that are positive, they have drive, passion, motivation, excitement, a, 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 a joy for life, you're going to be number six. And I chose to be number six everywhere I go. I love it, man. I could feel I could feel the passion behind it. And you just pointed out something that I learned at a, at a pretty young age, uh, I'll say a few years ago, really, but it, it's that the most successful people think like that. They're, they're not thinking about their circumstances and being a victim. They're thinking about how can I be better? How can I grow? How can I learn more? And that's a choice. When you program your mind, when you're filling it with great books, podcasts, talking to great people, the music, all those things, you start reprogramming that. And I like to say, if you don't program your mind, it'll be programmed for you by whatever you experience, by whatever lifestyle you're living, by the people you're around, by whatever they say, like you said, the five people, what are you constantly hearing that I can't do that? I'll never be wealthy. I won't be able to do that. Who are you? I'm stupid. Whatever the case is, if that's what you're constantly hearing, that becomes part of your thought process. And that's what it is, man. When you start visualizing differently, when you start thinking differently, when you start reading different books and man, the most successful people in the world, they have videos, they have podcasts, they've probably written a book and you could get into their mind 20, 30, 40 years of, of wisdom for experiences and learn from that and model that because why, why not? <laughs> if it's available, why not? You know? Absolutely. We don't have to repeat the mistakes that our ancestors or the people before us uh, made them. That was what was available then. That was what their survival instinct skills gave them. Okay. But today, all of that has been the, uh, all, all the information that used to be only readily available to the 1% is available to everybody. It is your choice to use it, it is your choice to access it. You know, I've realized today, and I say this with a lot of humility and a lot of gratitude, my parents did the best they could, okay? You know, they didn't know any better. They were socially conditioned to have 13 children. They were socially conditioning to stay in a state of despair and poverty and survival. They were socially conditioned. I had to detach myself from that mindset, from that belief system, 
okay? From everything that I had inherited, from that social conditioning, I had to separate myself from all of that in order to be able to see that there was a new world and a new opportunity. And sometimes that's what we have to do. Sometimes you have to walk away from your comfort zone. Our comfort zone is not comfortable. It is simply known, okay? And sometimes not everybody fits through the door. You got to make sure you get through the other side of the door. And then if it's in your heart to go back and help your community, then you do so, which is something that I am trying to do today. But my job, my first job was to take care of myself in order for me to be able to break the cycle and to be able to give from a full cup. I cannot give from an empty cup. I have to have a full cup in order to be able to, uh, to give and to serve. Okay, so I then have the tools, the skills, the preparation, the education, the emotional intelligence to be able to know what any of that meant. I had to go and acquire all of that to be able to be here today and share the little that I know. And that that was a choice that I want to remind people that you made, right? The great life doesn't interrupt us. It's a decision that we have to make to learn the emotional intelligence to to get the knowledge to to break through those those limiting barriers that that hold us and you know on that journey for you i know it wasn't all easy right because you've had a significant amount of time recovering could you tell us a little bit about your journey to recovery and and now what it means for you to be sober sure i, I absolutely i've been sober 22 years you know, and, and in fact, my son, who is now going to be 22, has never, never seen his father drunk, has never seen his father out of control, has never seen his father lose his temper, has seen the best of me. And I'm so glad for that. I am so glad for that because what I've done through that is I don't, I don't say that to impress you. I said that to impress upon you the fact that there's greater possibility of us to be able to break the cycles right? And I wanted to break the cycle. I remember, and I remember this sometimes with sadness and sometimes with joy. I remember the day that I realized the state of affairs that my parents lived in. And it was a very, very sad day for me because I realized that they could not get me out of there, that it was upon me to be able to crawl out of there if I wanted to get out of that state of poverty. And I didn't want my son to have that mindset or to ever feel the way that I felt. So, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, I, w I was still in that state of creating and, and, and destroying and, and, and living an incredible life. But at the same time, I still carry a lot of the same demons with me. A lot of the unworthiness, a lot of the fears, a lot of the insecurities. The reality is the society was cheering me on. The reality is that I was living in what I thought was an incredible state of imposter syndrome. But I was an imposter where I was, not where I was going. I was an imposter that I kept carrying on my childhood baggage and I wanted to operate with that same mindset in a new environment and that, you know, that, that collided, it, it crashed. So I needed to accept the fact that, that the world, the universe was walking me new opportunities for me to embrace, but I needed to be prepared for them. And part of that preparation was for me to stop drinking, for me to have a new mindset. I didn't know all of this. I didn't know all of this. And I don't want to sound woo woo when I sit and when I when I share these stories. But the reality was that my son was six months old. I'd done it again. My ex-wife gave me an ultimatum that I either stopped drinking or she was going to follow a divorce. I had been inappropriate at a at a at a neighborhood uh Halloween party. I I, I was inappropriate with my neighbor's wife. And uh, 
And that drove me to go see my therapist. And my therapist told me, you have one of the most acute problems with alcohol that I ever seen. And there's not a solution. The only solution that I know about is a 12-step program of recovery of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I was de desperate. I had a six-month-old son. I was living in a 14,000-square-foot home. I was at the pinnacle of my success. I had an incredible wife. I had reached the level of success, what I thought was success, okay? But yet my demons will not allow me to rest. My demons wanted to sabotage everything that I was, that, 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 that was coming to me because I didn't feel worthy of it. So I went to the very first meeting. And I, when I went to the very first meeting, you know, uh, I remember driving around the parking lot, making sure that there wasn't any cars of anybody I knew, which is really interesting. I was concerned to see somebody at an AA meeting, but I was not concerned that everybody knew I was a drunk, you know? Uh, and, and, and I walked into the meeting in my first step meeting, I listened to a gentleman talk about his recovery, about his journey to, to alcoholism. And he was sharing my story. His story was my story. And I gravitated to him. He became what we call our mentor sponsor in, in, in recovery. And I started that journey. But you know, that journey, you know, drinking is only the beginning, okay? There's recovery. And recovery is the transformation of the mind, soul, body, and spirit. And I had not done that. I had not tend to that. So I put a, I put a cork on the, uh, on the bottle. I stopped the drinking, but I continued behaving like an alcoholic. I continued behaving with the same mindset of an, of an addict. I continued being destructive. I continued being manipulative. You know, the, 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 the reality is that I learned that I didn't need alcohol to get drunk. I could get drunk a lying, cheating, deceiving, controlling, manipulating, womanizing, you name it. And what I needed to do was to stop all of that, okay? So, you know, I, I, I think part of the, I was learning how to stop drinking, but I was not learning how to start living without drinking. And that's what I needed to do. I needed to learn how to live without drinking. And that required a completely different mindset. That required a completely different set of values. That required a completely different set of principles. So I had to unlearn everything that I learned in order to forget who I was and where I came from, in order to be able to accept who I am today and welcome who I am today, in order to grow from that place forward. I couldn't do that if I kept keeping the same mindset, but it took me a while to understand that. Man, that's you. I, I appreciate you with the the vulnerability because so many people deal with addiction and they they they're like you you said afraid of what other people would think if they knew you're going to AA meeting, but not really realizing the how the addiction piece of it. And and if you're not addicted to alcohol or whatever, there's there's so many addictions out there. People addicted to TV, drugs, sex, porn. Uh, you name it, right? The cell phones are an addiction to a lot of people as well. Just addiction like, is addiction is addiction is addiction. Absolutely. So what you said there is just a huge piece that we can apply to whatever addiction that we're facing right now. Because even if it's a psychological one, it's not like a tangible thing. Some people are addicted to suffering or being a victim or or just feeling people feeling sorry for them or whatever the case is. There's so many things out there, but it still takes that same fundamental approach where I'm going to change the way I think I'm going to approach my mind and see where it's leading me to think this way and, and behave this way. So I appreciate you for that uh, and sharing that. And, and as we're getting closer to the end of this, I, I wanted to 
touch up on one thing um, because I, I know for successful people, when you get to a certain level of success, it, it seems like there's more things that could potentially sabotage that success. The more successful people become, the more challenges I feel like uh, we face. So how do you deal with the the challenges of sustaining that success and, and overcoming the fear or, or handling the fear of, of losing or, or not being not being able to maintain. I, I, I'm going to touch on a couple of things before I get to that. One of them, one of them is the fact that you said that uh, uh, some people are, are are addicted to suffering. Most people are addicted to suffering. Okay, we all travel the same journey. However, it is what we do when we get to the crossroads. Okay, that makes all the difference in the world. You know. We make a decision whether to go right or left or back or straight or stay in the same place. The difference with the people that become successful at whatever it is, however you want to define success, okay, is when you decide to let go of anything that is holding you back. It doesn't matter what it is and you keep going forward. You don't stay and you don't go back to your comfort zone because it's comfortable. You go through whatever it takes for you to become better, do better and be better, okay? And that's the difference in every single one of us in any type of success, whether it's graduating from high school or college or becoming a millionaire or a billionaire, whatever it is, is whether you are going to take the chance on you and go through whatever it is that you need to go through. So, you know, what do I do in order to not fall prey to my own demons, my own insecurities, my own fears, because believe it or not, I still have them. There's many times where I'm going to do a podcast interview and I'm going to interview somebody. You know, I just had Gary Sukoff, who's been on Oprah 36 times. He's an incredible author and thought leader and, and a spiritual leader. And, and, and I was a little nervous before the interview. And during the interview, what I realized is that it's okay. I just got to learn how to push through that. Okay, what happens in order for us to be able to operate in life and through life is by becoming conscious of who we are, our weaknesses and our strengths. And we're only able to do that in my case, in my case, with what I have learned and what I apply on a daily basis is by tending to my five pillars, my five pillars. If I am physically, mentally, emotionally and financially fit, then what do I have to worry about? right? If I exercise my physical muscle, my mental motion, muscle, my emotional muscle, my spiritual muscle, and my financial muscle in every single day, what am I there to be afraid of? You know, the reality is that whatever happens in the world, even the things that are going to be beyond my control, I'm able to be able to see what's coming with clarity. And I'm able to make choices, whatever those choices may be, from a state of clarity, not from a state of survival, not from a state of defense, not from a state of, 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 uh, of chaos, but with clarity, with clarity. So I attribute, um, you know, I'm living the best life I've ever imagined living. I, 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 you know, the poor Mexican kid at 10 years old, sleeping on a sleeping bag in his, in his bedroom with his other six brothers and, and his sisters in another bedroom, never imagined it, that, that I would live the incredible life that I live and do the things that I have been able to accomplish, okay? But it took me only 40 years to be successful. It took me only 40 years to be successful overnight and to be able 
to understand me and understand the things about me that I needed to change, enhance, do better, be better, to become better. Okay? So it's a constant evaluation of self. It's a constant inventory of self. It's a constant preparation of doing things that are uncomfortable doing in order to be able to live a comfortable life. Man, I love it. And if if you're even listening to this right now, just go back and rewind the whole thing because Peter Estevez just released so much great wisdom and knowledge, man. Follow his podcast, Coming Clean Podcast. Stay in touch. Follow him on Instagram. Whatever you can, get amazing people like Peter in your life to, to learn from because I'm, I'm constantly inspired, man. This entire interview, I've been so inspired. Uh, please tell us a little bit what's next for you and what, what's in the works for you, Peter. You, you know, I, I obviously we're uh, I'm the only private refinery owner in my country, worth Mexico. So we are going through a process of expansion. I'm not active on the day-to-day -day operations. I'm chairman of the board and, and, and CEO, but I'm not active on the day-to-day -day operations. So that's a project that we're working on currently. But my passion of project, my, 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 my there, there's two projects that, that are dear to my heart. I'm on a mission. I'm on a legacy building mission. Uh, and that is to be able to, 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 uh, identify, educate, and empower 100 million people by December 31st, 2028. And one of the uh, one of the vehicles that we're utilizing to do that is what we call uh, Excelente, which is an event that we're going, um, I partner up with Tim Story. Tim Story, who's an incredible thought leader, author, speaker, uh, uh, coach to many of the stars. Uh, and he and I had partnered together to, to bring our first ever um, Latin Personal Development and Leadership Summit that is going to take place at the Excellent Studios in Beverly Hills, November 13. And what we're doing at that event is the beginning of a, of a movement to identify leaders in the Latin community, people that look like me and Tim, people that are brown skinned, that have a funny accent, that speak funny like I do, that are able to be able to identify, relate to, share with, and be part of the Peter story when Peter was a six-year-old little boy. So the little Peter, the little Maria, the little Tim, the little Johnny, the little Juanito, the little Mark, the little Marcus in the Latin community can have leaders that they can identify with, so that, that they can culturally identify with, that they can understand what it is to live with, with, with 12 siblings, that they can understand that you can escape poverty, that they can understand that you can break cycles of dysfunction, that they can understand that you are not your parents, your parents lived their life. It is time for you to live a better life for you, for them, and for future generations. And that is the mission that I'm on today. Absolutely extraordinary. I can't wait to see uh, and support that movement because it's such a such a beautiful and necessary movement. I feel the more more we have things like that, the better communities are going to be. Because you think of the ripple effect of the the Latin community who who get to see that and speak that and adopt that type of mindset. How many people they can go on and affect in their families and their communities. So I appreciate you and thank you and Tim Story for partnering up and creating something so uh, powerful like that. Uh, and and before we wrap up. Well, where is the best place for people to continue to reach out to you or connect with you or, or whatever the case is? First and foremost, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the invitation. And, and I hope that I was able to, to, to bring some value to your community. Uh, and secondly, I'm all over social media. My, my handle on Instagram is Peter O. Estevez. Uh, there is a landing page for the Excelente 
uh, event, uh, which is going to be uh, uh, available beginning tomorrow morning. It is excelenteevent.com. That's the landing page for any future uh, uh, announcement of that event. There's the handle to my podcast, at Coming Clean Podcast. If you Google my name, Peter Oestevich, you're gonna find me, I'm all over social media. I'm on YouTube, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Pinterest, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on every, I'm on TikTok, I'm on every medium that you can think of. So uh, uh, please uh, be part of our community, join us, share us, give us your opinion, give us your thoughts, support us and support our movement. Absolutely, and, and Peter, the, the greatest gift I believe that we can give is our authentic self in our time and you definitely did that here today and i just want to thank you so much and appreciate you and i look forward to continuing this relationship thank you so much that is all for this episode thank you for tuning in if you found any value in this episode someone you know will also please share subscribe leave a rating and review so we can reach more people have a farther ripple and a larger impact. Stay grateful. I appreciate you. And remember, you are a conqueror.